It's Josephine Langcuber here, your performing arts business coach, talent manager, speaker, and mentor. Today, I am joined by Carla Tierney from iDance Studios. Now, Carla is from a small country town in Oakey, uh, which is about two and a half hours north of West Brisbane, Australia, and is known for being a major mining town, meatworks town, and farming district that has a high level of people on social benefits. So we're going to talk about what life is truly like for regional and country studios through the eyes of Carla. Uh, Carla has had the trifecta when it comes to challenges, including decreasing in mining and work opportunities, which brought people away from the town and actually decreased uh, her student number potential. They've had issues around their meatworks due to a drought which meant that cattle farmers and crop farmers were unable to produce, again, leaving the community financially vulnerable. Obviously, there was a pandemic, which doesn't help, <laughs> doesn't help. Uh, so there's been so much, but she also talks about the beauty of country and regional studio ownership and how the community really comes together and bands together and how much she loves, loves running that uh, studio within her town. So there's a lot of, you know, pros and cons to it all, but she's going to share so much joy about being a regional studio owner. She's also going to talk about overcoming challenges and how she's worked through them, how she works with her community to make it possible for them to continue to dance and also, you know, the flexibility required and some of her techniques on how she keeps her clients under her studio roof, uh, which is really cool because obviously there's a lot of challenges we see with studio owners in regional towns and country towns, including hiring staff. And, and she talks about her techniques around that as well. So there's a lot to uncover here. Uh, so let's jump in. Let's do this. I can't wait for you to meet Carla. Hey there, I'm Josephine Lancuba and you're listening to Business Arts and All That Jazz. I've been immersed in the creative business world and performing arts industry for over 20 years. I know from experience that being an artist, a creative or running a creative business can be a tough gig, but I'm here to tell you it's possible. I went from having zero dollars to my name and living below the poverty line to then living paycheck to paycheck to finally living a life of comfort, happiness, passion and even stability. In this podcast, I peel back the curtain and share with you the ups and downs of my journey. Plus, I tap into the minds of creative industry experts to discover their paths to success. I know you have a spark inside of you, that little voice that tells you to reach for the stars. I want to help you step into your limelight to have the courage to live a life you dream of, a life that you design. So get ready to be entertained and inspired as we talk business, arts, and all that jazz. Are you a studio owner who has ever thought or dreamt about providing professional opportunities for your students in film, television, theatre, and commercial? 
then I have the solution for you. And it's easier than you think with my signature course, Talent Manager Bootcamp. This course is designed to take you from studio owner to talent manager in eight weeks by providing you with the industry insights and theoretical and practical knowledge you need to create your own in-house talent management service so you can provide these amazing opportunities for your students on screen and on stage. The best part is that this service can be 100% inclusive because you don't need experience to have commercial work. You just need a bit of confidence and the desire to do it. Of course, then it leads into those bigger roles and bigger opportunities where those extra skills are needed. But who better to know the skills of your students and their potential than you? because you've nurtured them. You've brought them up from baby beginnings through to their older yonder years, and you know the talent that they have within them. And who better to unlock that potential than you? You are the best talent manager that they could ever have. You just don't know it yet. So why not jump on my wait list for Talent Manager Bootcamp? Doors are opening at the end of May 2023. Jump on the wait list now. That's josephinelanecuba.com forward slash TMB and the link is in the show notes. You can find out more information there as well on the page and hopefully I'll see you on the wait list. My wait list people receive benefits and early access. So if you want to be on that list and not miss that announcement and also get those goodies and benefits, jump on now, click the link and see you there. That's Talent Manager Bootcamp. Bye. Hello and welcome Carla Tierney from iDance Studios. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yay. (laughs) Uh, Now I've actually, um, I did a bit of a reach out to yourself because I am very interested in the regional studio space. I live in, you know, Sydney, um, Australia, Sydney, New South Wales, and you uh, are actually, is it two and a half hours northwest of Brisbane, which for anyone that doesn't know is, is that like the tip of Australia? Nice and hot (laughs) up there, yeah? Well, it's pretty cold here today. Um, So we're about, for people who do know Queensland, we're about half an hour from Toowoomba. So two and a half hours northwest of Brisbane driving and um, we've got a small country town which has well, probably about 5,000 people living in it at the moment mm-hmm. um, but a really big um, mining industry, big farming industry, so lots of um, kids that live out of town as well. Yeah, okay. And uh, you have your iDance Studios which is there in your local town. I would love to know when, how long have you had that studio for? How long have you been in operation? So this is our 19th year. So next year we celebrate our 20th. So I started it when I was uh, 18, turning 19. Um, My younger cousin had spent a few months with another dance studio nearby and um, it was very heavily um, syllabus based in a particular ballet syllabus which was wonderful but she just really wanted to have fun and have fun with her friends and have a little less um, not less structure that's not the right word but a little more open-endedness with the curriculum and um, 
and I'm really funny like when I was younger I used to plan having my own dance school like it's not something I fell into it's something I've always dreamed of having and um and so this opportunity came about and um sort of opened it up to a few of her friends and thought oh let's see how we go with some numbers put an ad ad in the school newsletter as you did back then and uh and yeah opened the what we were known as the Kingsthorpe School of Dance uh, 19 years ago. Wow. So congratulations. You're almost on two decades of studio ownership. Do you have any big plans to celebrate the big 2-0? We do. So we are hopefully heading off to uh, on another USA tour next April as part of because I said, oh, I've done three. I don't want to do any more for a while because I've got a little boy. Uh, But, you know, very good opportunity to celebrate our 20th year Uh, we're also hoping to have a great big gala night towards the end of next year um, with lots of entertainment and a bit of a formal educate formal thing and you know just lots of events through the year which we do normally but just making them maybe a little bit more special extra sparkly and special I love that yeah now you come from a town of 5,000 people which isn't isn't huge but um, you did mention when you were younger that, you know, your friend went to the studio, your cousin or whatever, went to the studio down the road or whatever. I'm wondering, is there many studios in your area? And has that landscape of how many studios are open changed since that 20 years ago? Yeah, so we have two other studios actually in our town. One is uh, very ballet based. Uh, lovely I get on super well with the other studio owners which is awesome we all offer something completely different Uh, we have our own venue where we are we offer a full range of classes and age groups and during the day after day holiday workshops and all of that one of the other studios is uh, much smaller it's ballet based and uh, but we do a lot of events together which is really awesome and then there's another studio which is a bit more of a a club style they just sort of have one lesson a week and they come and they have fun and the kids often make up routines as well so cool I I guess I'm interested in that because when you talk about I've always wondered that as well in the sense of when it comes to regional towns because some say oh well the more people you have the bigger your business but sometimes I wonder if regional towns actually do better because there are less people and if and if there are only three studios amongst 5,000 then those are the only three options rather than being in a pool of, you know, a studio on every corner. What's your take on that? I think it definitely depends on what's on offer and and what the parents uh, and the kids are in need of at that time. Um, A few years, well, not a few years ago, we, we no longer have netball teams in our town. We have a really big soccer club and a touch club, but some of the after school activities have just gone over the last few years. Um, within the last few years, we've got no more martial arts either, which is super disappointing because um, I was hoping to get them in my studio space and hire the space out, which would have been really good. Um, so we do have a big reliance on dance to provide those after-school activities, but not only just after-school activities. Sometimes it's just like after-school care. Often we're cheaper because, you know, we are regional. We certainly don't charge what some of the other studios do. Um, we provide a really good after-school program so they can come straight after school or catch the bus into town and then and then dance until their parents finish work. 
Yeah, that's really awesome. And you definitely need those sorts of activities to keep children engaged and productive and, and Absolutely. Um, being looked after. So they're not just, you know, wandering around the shops and, and getting into mischief, I suppose, after school hours, which can happen, right? It's about Absolutely. directing that energy into something super positive. And, and also teaching them, also teaching them to do different things in different ways. You know, they come to class, they meet different kids from other dance, from other um, primary schools or high schools. Some We have homeschool kids. So it provides this great opportunity for socialisation, working as a team, learning to work as a unit, things like that. Yeah, I love that. Now, coming from a, you know, a regional town, which you said has that major mining, meatworks and farming district, um, tell me about that because that would really, um, there's been a few challenges that you faced and we'll get there later. I, I'd love for you to have a chat about that. But just tell me about your town. Like what's it like? living living where you do and you know having all of those sorts of real regional sort of services and, and work placements so often when people when I say oh I'm from Oki it's a regional town people have this mindset that it's primarily you know one you know we might have some indigenous population we have a lot of Caucasian population but Oki is actually super diverse and this is what astounds people because we do have a couple of really large meatworks in the area we have a huge diversity of people that come into the town for work, a massive Brazilian population, and I will admit most of them just enrol in soccer, not dance, which I'm trying to get to still after many years. But um, we have this huge diversity in our culture. We have a lot of Cook Islanders, Brazilians um, all over, a massive farming community. Um, so we have a lot of people that come from out of town for classes. And then we also have a number of smaller towns that live around Oki, sort of within, you know, a 40-minute 40 40 radius. So we often incorporate those. Certainly not enough to start a dance school in some of those areas, although in Kingsthorpe that's where I did start. It's a little bit bigger. But having the availability of these people to come quite reasonably, I mean, 40 minutes probably seems like a long time to some people, but that's what we do to go get groceries. So. Yeah, that makes sense. And obviously, you know, it's all about what's around you. So 40 minutes um, in a city location might seem ridiculous to get to a dance class, whereas for yourself, that's just what you do, right? So yeah, I have I parents that funny have an hour each way. The Brazilians and their soccer. So true. But you know what as well, I uh, and, and not to get into a gender conversation, but also you mentioned that, the you know, the after school programs tend to be more typically like footy based or whatever mm -hmm. and that may naturally attract boys not to yep. say girls aren't doing it whereas you know the fact that your netball team got cut for example which is predominantly female based activity so you want to be providing the community with those sorts of things I'd love to know um, how many students do you serve at the moment and what's your peak look like um, in your town so right now we're quite down on our numbers. Uh, we sit at about a just under a hundred students right now, um, and but most of those kids do do more than one class a week. So we have, I guess, if you counted individual class enrolments, it's something like two hundred and sixty at the moment. So we have a lot of kids that do more than one class, and I do try to timetable back to back classes in certain age groups to to help with that, in the hope that it can encourage those enrolments. Um, at our peak, we, at the beginning of 
2020, we were sitting at 157. So um, massive, massive drop after our closure uh, during 2020. Uh, and essentially, we sat at 100 for a couple of years and then kept building slowly up until we sort of got to 150 for a couple of years. So it's been a massive uh, hit for us since then. And although we continually get new students, we haven't been able to grow uh, those numbers, so to speak. Um, but I have made some changes within the studio, like cutting certain classes to fill up other classes. So we used to have two mini acro classes and two bronze jazz classes, and now we just have the one. Um, and it might not suit everyone, but it's it's much better for business that way. Yeah, and you have to focus on profitability at the end of the day as well. Like we want to love up our customers, but if it's if it's breaking even or not profitable, then you you also have to love up yourself and your own time and, and energy. Mm. So that makes sense. And, and consolidating those classes is definitely like a good move. You mentioned as well that, you know, the pandemic put a stint in things and, um, you know, we're moving into the <laughs> moving slowly into the challenges, which I know you've shared with me on email. But um, you did actually mention um, you mentioned that there was a lot of your clients that, you know, might be on social benefits and there was some, mm-hmm. you know, potentially, um, you know, it may not be, you know, a high uh, demographic of people on, you know, higher income or whatever. How does that look financially for you? How do you navigate that in a recreational, um, you know, pay-for-service sort of environment? Yes, certainly. It is pretty tricky because I do have to ensure that my classes stay affordable. And affordable in Oki is going to be something different than affordable in Brisbane. And that's, you know, not necessarily ideal, but that's just the way it is. If I charge too much, I lose my students and the business closes, my staff get unemployed. So everything is a juggling act as to where I can put things. And with the prices of everything going up at the moment, I certainly have had people more people approach me saying, can I go on a payment plan or can I can I get an extension on the payments and things like that, which, you know, we have to be open to because of where we are. Um, you know, certainly the government voucher scheme, we don't have that, we can't use that in Queensland for dance lessons. So I know in other states, you oh really uh, that's interesting no so parenting that's not even from Australia because we get all sorts of listeners anyone that's not even in Australia the voucher scheme is basically a government incentive where the government um, is encouraging families to keep their children active since the pandemic so there'll be like hundred dollar vouchers towards fitness or creativity those sorts of things and we get them in New South Wales and I know they're across the country and you're not your dance dance studios in your area are not eligible. That's that's no. crazy to me. So it has something to do with the not for not for profit industry. So they in Queensland, you have to be a not for not for profit. So whether it's a football club or a soccer club mm. or something like that, they can use the vouchers. But in a business sense, like a dance studio, they cannot. And I do know we get. I would get a phone call a week asking, "Oh, do you offer this? Can we use this voucher system from?" new clients or or current clients and that it does make a really big intro um really big impact on those who do want to get their kids involved in things but perhaps cannot afford the whole package I guess yeah and that 
And local government, if you're listening. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We would that love the vouchers. That makes sense that you wouldn't mm. want to support small business and keep small business alive and well, not just mm-hmm. not profits. What about profitability? That's, yeah. that's insane to me. That, and um, in that, that the long-term goal. All guys. Yeah. The long-term goal of those vouchers is to get kids active and get kids involved in team sports or whatever it might be. Um, and the fact that we're discounted on that, but not in New South Wales and Victoria, um, is a little bit, it, it is definitely a little bit disappointing for mm. for those families who, who do want to do it and particularly the kids that might want to do it. Now, before we jump into the big challenges and and we're going to talk about everything from drought to loss of, you know, mining and all sorts of things in your town, which really impacted your business. Tell me about what is great about being in Oki. What's great about your community and having that regional um, local business? Oh, gosh, there's just so much. There's so much that's wonderful. I've been in Oki my whole life my mum's been in Oki her whole life so it's wonderful to see um the community grow and change and become more diverse and all of those things um it's great running a business because you get so much support from other local business people that have seen me grow up and um all different things and I think as a small business you know we're we're all you know some businesses are certainly more profitable mind that but we're all small businesses at the end of the day and we do all support each other whether it be through raffles or all different things the best part is of course we get to be directly involved with the schools which is fantastic um you know a little bit of free promotion doesn't (laughs) goes a long way in those circumstances but um you know everyone knows us they know where we are i've had parents call me saying oh my gosh i've had to run my other child to hospital um, they're not going to make it. They're going to have to stay at school. I'm like, That's fine. I'll just I'll just go pick them up. Um, our big kids will walk down from the high school, collect the little kids on the way past the primary schools, which is just beautiful because then they all turn up at the studio together and the parents feel safe and secure that they're being looked after. So there are so many great things to running a business in a small town. Sure, there are challenges and sure, I'm not going to be earning the same amount of money that that someone in Sydney is going to be earning. But I get so much beautiful support i'm able to employ people locally and try and try and keep them locally and i say try because one of my main teachers she was a student of mine from day dot and she's given me her notice (laughs) for the end of next year um so i say try and keep them but they do end end of next year she gave me a two and a half year notice so oh my god that's beautiful to try and prepare I gotta myself. I've got to tell you, two and a half <laughs> year notice is so beautiful compared to what I sometimes get, which is two and a half weeks. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, and even just you saying that really showcases the essence of a smaller community. Like, yeah, she's telling you two and a half years out. She doesn't want to let you down. She wants you to know she's leading you into it. Like, that's actually and really awful. Mentally prepare me because she's. She is honestly like my sister. I, we do everything together. We've travelled together, and I don't, I don't know how I'm going to quite function without her. It but, must be um, tough hiring, right? Or, or is it a, is super it tough? Hiring? No, yeah. no, super tough. We have to train up through the studio, so that is 
all of my employees right now, I have five employees with me. I've all been trained up through the studio. Mm. In the past, I've hired two people that have not been trained up through the studio. Um, It does make it a little bit tricky in terms of studio values um, because I'm pretty set on my studio values of community and opportunity and creating confidence within our kids. So that's super important to me. And sometimes, you know, if you haven't been brought up in that community, they can they can feel like it's not that important. I did have a teacher I employed, she was employed for like six months and then she just stopped turning up. She just stopped turning up. She had to travel half an hour to the class. She just stopped turning up and I would ring her and ring her. And then I saw her three months later and she goes, oh, sorry, I forgot. That's really I random. I don't know how that works. Yeah. But, yeah. People are, fun, um, people are funny creatures. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> you see that but everywhere. Yeah. But, yeah, no, that that's a weird story. But, that, God, there's so many doozies <laughs> when it comes to employing. I, I could tell you a million, but I'll save that for another time. But, yeah, and I can imagine, like, you know, how tough it would be. So having that in-house training program to really bring mm-hmm. up the next generation of teachers is such a great idea and and so important to sustain the business long term well now you've got a two and a half year runway so now you can start seeing your next protege I reckon oh I'm starting I'm starting (laughs) one of my (laughs) one of my 14 year olds she actually is officially employed now as a junior teacher so today is her first lesson she's done her independent study and we've done all the training so um, I will be out of the room from now and she's a, now a paid employee. So she's very excited. Um, mm. That's so, yeah. so great. I love that. Absolutely. I love that. Now I'd love to chat about the impact made in what I think was 2017 when um, your town and region had a decrease in mining. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, what exactly happened and, and what did that do for local business and yourself? So quite close to us, we have a an a, a coal mine which employs so many people. We are not a fly-in, fly-out uh, town so that everyone who was working at that mine were living locally, which was absolutely amazing. Um, a lot of people got employed. So I couldn't tell you the statistics of how many people moved into the town to work, but we certainly had building projects. We had new houses being built. Um, lots of we have a huge rental market within the town I've worked in real estate for many years as well and um, a lot of those people were working in the mining industry which is just fantastic Um, a few years ago the Queensland government put a stop onto stage three so um, there was a lot to do with water licensing and all the politics and stuff And, and I was quite heavily involved in and all of us small businesses we wanted to keep the mine the town wanted to keep the mine because of the employment because of the kids, we wanted to keep everyone. A lot of these families now have had to change to either fly in, fly out families or they've had to move completely to find work. So when the stage three, they were just holding off for many, many years, um, a lot of people just had to leave town. And because of that, we lost a lot of kids out of our dance studio, a lot of kids out of our community because the families wanted to obviously stay together. And in order to do that, the families had to move away. So we had people move way up north we had people move up to Cloncurry and all different places Uh, and that certainly affected us and affected the morale because the kids were quite anxious about losing their friends they knew that's you know if this doesn't happen my friend Ivy's going to have to move away and 
and they were aware of that and we did see the stress that that did cause within the kids themselves so that was a big impact um and that's scary as as a young person like not knowing you know am I going to lose my friends am I you know am I going to have any friends if I have to move am I you know and all of that heavy load for a young person, I can imagine, would be just they've so had, stressful. And leaving homes that they've had since they were born, and that was really that really did impact. And we had to navigate through that with the kids. And, I mean, I know we're just the dance teachers, but they share a lot with us and they share their fears and anxieties with themselves and their friends would also share their, their anxieties about their friends moving away. Mm. So that made a really big impact. Um Unfortunately, people did move away before Stage 3 was approved and as of tomorrow, it is the official opening of the Stage 3 mine. So this has been many, many years of pushing and fighting and lobbying by so many people to try and get this off the ground Um, and, you know, you've got to give it to people for sticking it through. So hopefully we may get some more people move into town. Unfortunately, then. We then move into the housing crisis, which is causing a very big impact in our town as well. So, um, you know, we're certainly grateful that the mine is starting up again and that employment will start again and hopefully that will filter through to even the dance studio. But, um, you know, that did make a huge impact on us. Yeah, and it's, you know, I mean, people like outside looking in can talk about mining in all sorts of ways. I mean, you can get really political about it and you can talk about environmental impacts and all the things, but at the end of the day, um, you know, just from, you know, a no judgment point of view, when it comes to the actual people from the town, I can can see your perspective on the importance of those um, mines in relation to, you know, keeping people employed keeping community together. So there's definitely Absolutely. a lot of, you know, there's always two sides of the coin, isn't there? Absolutely. And, I mean, I would love to say I'm an environmentalist. I recycle and do all the things. But when push came to shove on my views on this, it came down to the kids. It came down to the families and the community. And regardless of what I thought of the mining industry, that was the main, that was the important thing for us. So we... um sorry we um, I can see there's something on the side there going (laughs) that's my mum yeah that's that's the beauty of a live podcast don't even worry no but I hear exactly what you're saying yeah Um, also you know that was one challenge so that was the mining Mm -hmm. you've touched on the pandemic as well that's two Mm -hmm. and then there was a third uh you mentioned uh in your email which I was like wow you've really had the trifecta of challenges um, it had to do with the meatworks and cattle farming. So yeah. there was a drought. Tell me about that. So the farming industry is always going to affect our, our local businesses and um, and that's something we just have to be mindful of. So if we happen to have a drought, uh, a few years ago we had a drought, a uh, really bad drought all over Queensland and there was no cattle coming into the meatworks because there was no cattle. Um, which mean everyone at the meatworks at the time is employed as a casual worker. So if there's no cattle, there's no beef to slaughter, so there's no work. And so we did have a few families that go, look, I'm sorry, we're, we're out of work at the moment. What can you do? Can, can we pay it off? Can we, you know, and those families obviously can't just go straight on benefits. So there's a certain time period and 
um, the abattoir does as much as they can to keep in people employed. So it might be cut down to two days a week rather than five days a week. And, you know, it might go to one shift a day rather than two shifts a day and things like that. And that's a huge thing. Um, on top of that, a lot of cropping families around us. So if it rains too much, the crop fails, we have to negotiate with the parents on a payment plan. If um, there's too little rain and the crop fails, if the hay doesn't come out at the right humidity and the, all the hay fails, you know, it's like playing Russian roulette 24-7 as a farmer and I do understand that. So I'm pretty um, accommodating when it comes to that. It's not as easy as taking a direct deposit every month and banking it, um, which great. I would love to do. That would be so stable for my business and also provide some stability for my for my teachers as well. But that's just not something we're able to do because we do have to have people. We do have to work with people at the end of the day. We're a client-based a client-based business and we have to listen to their needs. Hmm. When you say words like, um, you know, abattoir and slaughter and things, like, I'm like, oh my God, it's so <laughs> yeah. much. But I eat meat. <laughs> yeah. I love meat, actually. So it's just funny, isn't it? It's all perception. Like, mm-hmm. this is the reality. This is where meat comes from, you know. Yeah. And so it's it's just an interesting conversation for me to speak to someone like yourself where this is just the norm and this is your community and the people that you're surrounded by. Mm-hmm. And, yes, if the farmers are struggling and they can't produce the beef, well, that's a problem, right? Absolutely. And we we might hear it on the news, but it doesn't actually filter down into it. It's really hard for someone who's not in there for it to filter down into, oh, how does that affect an everyday business? A couple of years ago, we had way too much rain. And one of my families has a dairy and they live on the other side of the creek of the dairy on the same farm. They couldn't get to the milk, which is fine. Dad went over, got a canoe, over he goes and milked the cattle, which was fine. But the problem was is the trucks couldn't get in to collect the milk. So all of their milk went down the drain because oh. they couldn't sell it. So, you know, there's all of these aspects of the farming industry that affects everyday business. And it's not just mine. It, it might be the, the schools. It could be any industry that is a client-based industry. And, you know, I'm very lucky that these families have stuck it out with me and they still continue to try and and do this for their kids and put their kids in these lessons because yeah. sometimes it might just be too hard and it might yeah, be easier going just from go- that drought to then too much rain. I mean, yeah, there's an irony in that and it's just it's unbelievable. You know? Yeah, it's it's crazy and it's something we navigate with every every season. So, but I am so grateful to those parents that that stick it out, knowing that I. And willing and able to work with them because a lot of parents just go, that's just too hard. I don't want to owe someone else money. Let's mm-hmm. just stick in the towel. So um, very lucky that way. And we do try and include um, as many of our families in different events. So we have our annual dad's dance. Oh, so nice. And you know what? We get those farmers up there and in their boots and up they go. Um, so that's really cool. So have you and had the show Farmer Wants a Wife in Town yet? <laughs> no, not yet. I did have a good friend of mine that was on that actually in the <laughs> oh, really? early days. Did it work so, out? No, but he wants to start a show like called Carla Wants a Farmer. That would be really good as well. <laughs> Carla Wants a Farmer. Oh, my goodness. That is that is genius. That's a hit number yeah. one show right there. I know 100 kids that would be on board with that straight away. <laughs> 
that like, okay, so you've got these payment plans going, you've got these farmers that, you know, one day it's, you know, raining and the milk's, you know, pouring, you know, pouring away. And then the next day there's a drought. So they, they can't, you know, do what they need to do and grow the crops. How do you deal with that in the sense of, okay, so you create these payment plans, but what if they can't pay? Like, is there a softness or are you hardlined when it comes to, well, no, this is what you owe me? Like, how does that work? It must be really hard because, you know, we want to be a business and treat it like, you know, down the line, we're a business, we're hardlined about this, you're in or you're out, you pay or you don't, you know. Yeah. Um, but, you know, this is this is really, this is pulling your heartstrings, I bet. Absolutely. I think for me, the fact that I do understand what they're going through and that I'm an, you know, I'm open to communication I have never had anyone on a payment plan from a farming industry or anything like that that has reneged on their payment plan. So I'm super lucky that way. They generally would say, look, can we just have an extension or we're selling next week, can we have an extension to next week? And, and I'm open to that. And I think the fact that I'm open to that has allowed them to understand that I am serious and that I will follow it up. Um, the only people I've ever had issues with on payment plans that perhaps didn't pay and have had to ask to leave the studio, which, as you know, we all hate that because yeah. the kids are the ones that miss out on the end of the day, uh, are those generally just people um, that might be on social benefits and that does make an impact and, and those kids are sometimes the ones that really need to be at these activities. But um, Do you offer scholarship programs or anything like that? I have in the past. Mm -hmm. um, I did take that away uh, a couple of years ago because we did find that there were some people that, you know, oh, it's always that person that might get it, even though it was a different person every year or um, it might be, you know, at the end of the day, you don't know how hard someone's doing it. You might have two parents that work their butts off, but that doesn't mean they're less, less um, what am I trying to say? like less capable of yeah so I have parents that have their own business and they work their socks off for you know seven days a week and their kids come to dance but it doesn't necessarily mean that they're less well off than someone on social yeah, benefits sure. I, I they just might not say that yeah. um yeah so and that brings me back to the government thing as well because they're saying oh small business doesn't need it only not mm. for need the vouchers but that's yeah. just such a load of crock isn't it you know? So, and I think just being, I, I did take the scholarship program away because mm. just because someone is got their own business and they're working doesn't mean they're, they're not struggling as well. And uh, if I gave it to someone who might have a business, the people who didn't work then complained and vice versa. So, yeah, and it just you know wasn't what? worth that for you. It wasn't worth it. Not to manage that. For sure. For at, sure. At the end of the day, my fees are very low um, compared to. Obviously, even Toowoomba, which is half an hour from us, um, which is a it's a it's a city. So, um, you know, if what do they say? You know, it's it's not overpriced. It's just you can't afford it, and that's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. And you know, value is in the eye of the beholder. It's complete perception as well. So, you know, just because someone says, "Well, that's too expensive," someone might go, "Hey, that's totally makes sense," you know, yeah. and it's vice versa so I totally get that position I what have a number of kids that come from Toowoomba because my fees are cheaper 
<laughs> and they like our community. How fast yeah, to from you? It's a it's about thirty five minute drive. Okay. So not too far. Um, so a lot of kids come in here for their netball and things like that. Um, mm. But we have a lot of people because of the the environment and the community that we hold in our studio and the values that we have, as well as the cheap fees, which kind of helps. We do have a lot of people that pop down the highway. Well, they say there's three areas of innovation in every business, no matter what business you operate. Number one is that uh, is convenience, right? Mm -hmm. I would dare say yours wouldn't be convenience. Number two is price. So you are providing that in the price area. Um, and number three is quality. So you may have quality and price, for example, but not convenience. Yeah. But people opt into what area of innovation on any business that they deem to be yeah. most important to them. Like for me, um, with my studio, we are not the cheapest. Um, we definitely would say our area of innovation is quality. It's not price and it's not um, convenience, but it's the quality factor. It doesn't mean you can't have two or all three or whatever. Yeah. But my, we, certainly, we certainly don't have the convenience. More than 70% of our kids are from out of town, so out of Oki. So whether that be farms or other towns, um, yeah, it's certainly not convenient. I'd love, yeah, actually, I'm still trying to work out a way of harnessing more Oki kids, but. Um, but that could be an affordability thing as well. So maybe mm -hmm. the kids in Oki just may not have that recreational um, extracurricular funds um, yeah. versus some out-of-towners who are willing to spend a bit more and take the drive over, you know. like you Absolutely. Just, it's all about the demographic, isn't it? And that's actually some of the stats you gave me. You said 35.5% um, of your students live on farms and mm -hmm. are from farming families. 34% um, of your students live in town but not in Oki. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, that 70-odd that percent is outside of town. So only 30% mm -hmm. of your students live in Oki itself. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. How big is Oki? Um. Not very big. We have a high school which has about, I think it's about 450 kids at the moment. That's we decent. have a primary school and a Catholic primary school. Uh, and mm -hmm. both have about, I'd say about three to 400, maybe 400. So there's one school so, option. Is that how it goes? Yeah. So if you do want to go to a different high school, it's a bus. <laughs> yeah. So it's a bus every day. And I have a lot of my kids go to school, high school in Toowoomba. Okay. Um, just awesome. because of the different options and things like that. So Okay. So tell me, um, what advice would you give to a regional um, studio owner um, who might be, you know, doing it tough or what What would you say to them? What What's a word of advice for them? Definitely, if you were starting out, definitely get to know your community. That would be my number one. Get to know the other businesses, get to know the types of people you're going to work with or the types of people that you want to work with. And I think that's really important. Um, getting involved with different things just makes everything worthwhile and that's a huge thing is getting in, getting involved. Yeah, and being uh, amongst it and a part of your community mm. and having those collaborations with other businesses and whatnot. Yeah, um, absolutely. Collaborations are actually really powerful. You know, uh, even just I've heard of people doing, you know, 
swaps with flyers and things like that, like the local coffee shop will hold a promotion for you guys and vice versa. You'll have a promotion mm-hmm. for the local coffee shop or whatever, and it's just working amongst your community and building each other up. Absolutely. We have a bakery in town, and when we do different raffles and stuff, I will go and buy coffee vouchers from the bakery, and they put my posters up in the window and things like that, you know. It's all about collaborating, but also feeling a part of it is so important. Mm. You know, like we will involve the Cook Islander groups in different different things. It doesn't necessarily mean I get any enrolments from it, but geez, it feels good. And <laughs> sometimes, sometimes that's just as important is if people see you there and they see that you're willing and able to participate and be involved in their community, then they will go, oh, you know, they might not want to dance themselves, but gee whiz, if they talk to someone, they'll go, hey, you should go to Carla's dance school. They're really great. You yeah, know, they have and lots of fun. And it's that law of reciprocity, isn't it? Yeah, word of mouth for me is 90% of my business. You know, we don't, we have a local newspaper. It's way too expensive for us to advertise in um, regularly, that's for sure. Um, And of course, you know, you've got Facebook ads, but in reality, there's not much else we can advertise in. So I do rely on that word of mouth and referral programs. uh, And I'm very grateful to our families that do refer us to other people, whether they might dance or, or not. Yeah, I love that. Tell me, who or what inspires you? Oh, that's a pretty, I mean, so many people inspire me, but definitely my kids. Um, Over the last couple of years since having a baby, I've sort of taught a little bit less. And um, although, but I'm actually enjoying that, which sounds so backward, but I love seeing the kids developing with their other teachers being able to appreciate what they're doing rather than the nitty-gritty stuff. Mm -hmm. And so just being able to come in and see what they've done over a couple of weeks is just awe-inspiring to me and it keeps us on our toes. Um, And being able to to support that, to support the teachers, to support the the assistant teachers, to support the kids, um, that's been really great for me. I I really love creating um, new things for the kids to enjoy and that takes a lot of time and effort but you know as long as they have a great time and they're learning something I'm an educator at heart and um, my joy is creating different different things for them to to learn from and it doesn't sound backwards at all by the way the fact that you want to teach less I mean I I don't teach at all anymore in my studio except for um, some school holiday boot camps and master classes and stuff or if a teacher's sick Um, I actually stepped back from it uh, a couple of years ago and I love, I love that. Like I love teaching my coaching clients online and in a different capacity, but when it comes to the studio environment, yeah, I totally took a step back and, you know, each to their own. Some people can't imagine themselves out of the classroom and then others just want to put on that director's hat and just go, you know what, I want to get a bird's eye view and, 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 you know, transfer the skill of teaching to leadership and team Mm -hmm. rather than necessarily to the student or in the classroom per se. Yeah. In March, we had um, some of my older assistant teachers that are about 14. They had an independent month, so they had to come up with their plans. You know, I mean, some of them have just been pretty much running the classes, let's face it, with supervision. This was completely independent. I would pop in, pop my head in, but I was sort of supervising from afar. They then had to reflect on that and and we're sitting down and going through that. And that has just been the most amazing thing. I love seeing them excel. I love seeing their little kids just 
dote on them. They're like, woohoo, Miss Gala's not in the room. Let's <laughs> we can do all this stuff, even though they can't. But um, yeah, just seeing that has been exceptional. Yeah. My girls are at a competition today. Uh, and they were there on Sunday and I didn't go for the first time in many years. And um, just having, you know, I don't, I'm not their teacher anymore. These other guys are. And although I am, I'm heading out for a couple of days anyway this week, but, you know, they're just being supported and loved on by the staff that I've brought up through the studio. So I know that they're going to get that same experience. And that's awesome. Yeah, that is awesome. I love that. The legacy of that. Um, and the growth of that is is fantastic. Well, before we wrap up today, uh, I wanted to ask you, what's next? What's next for Carla? Okay, so next for me is definitely trying to just crawl back those numbers. Uh, once I can do that, I can really um, probably employ a staff member full-time rather than a permanent part-time. So that would be my ideal is to be able to provide that employment for more. I have, like I said, I've got five part-time staff members, but, you know, just to be able to provide that for them. Um, I've definitely sort of taken 18 months from having my baby because I was just, you know, in mummy land. So this year I've come back and done a bit more with my planning and, and things like that. So that's been really good for me to sort of plan out the year, whereas I think last year I was kind of just flying by the seat of my pants. Hopefully that'll make an impact to enrolments. And, um, and yeah, continue to grow. I would, one day I would love to purchase another studio and, and bring everything that I've got from Oki into another, into another space. I think that would be great because I do love the director role of things, the organizing. I actually really like bookwork and accounts. So <laughs> much to a lot of people's shock. So that type of stuff doesn't bother me at all. But yeah, awesome. you know, hopefully one day that would be a long term goal, even though. I'm 20 years in and just having a great year this year and an even better one next year as we and celebrate and our 20th this, year. Um, is this your, your first bath as well? Or Yeah. Oh, congratulations. Yeah. There you go. And that probably is, you know, not that it has to, but contributes to wanting to step back and let the team yeah. take on that extra responsibility as well, you know. Yeah. Like even this term I've had to switch some classes around because I was teaching. He's with my mum, my parents on um of an afternoon but on Thursdays I was teaching until seven but they're going to the UK and I can't teach till seven so I've had to switch some things around move some teachers in here and classes around and, and that's tricky to negotiate because I do need to pick him up from childcare at like six o'clock yeah but yeah. um as he gets a bit older he'll be able to spend more time at the studio at the moment he just wants me because all of the other kids are swarming <laughs> totally they love him and he loves to dance and they love him. So, Well, it sounds like you've got some beautiful goals ahead of you, you know, and I, and I wish you the best of luck in, in kind of getting those people back through the doors. And I have all the belief that you will. And hopefully in a couple of years, we'll see you with a second space. <laughs> that would be great. Yeah, yeah, that'd be amazing. Well, thank you so much, Carla, for coming on to the show. Um, if, you know, if anyone wants to check out your studio and see what you're about, where can we direct them to? Yeah, so our website is uh, idancestudiosoki, which is oakey.com.au, or they can reach out to me on Facebook at any time or Instagram. But particularly if those people in a rural setting might be struggling or just have some questions or just want to have a chat because we're on the same wavelength, 
Um, I do know it's tricky. I've been to lots of conferences and you hear lots of people talking about all this stuff, but in reality, mm. some of that stuff just wouldn't work in our town or those prices don't exist <laughs> for us. So if anyone wants to just reach out and have a chat and talk to someone like-minded, they're more than welcome to. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much, Carla, for being on the show. Thanks so much. Bye. Bye. If you enjoyed listening and would like to hear more, be sure to click subscribe. If you're really feeling the love, share us with your friends. To work with me or to simply find out more about the magic of creativity, arts and business, head to my website, josephinelancuba.com and you can find me on socials. I also have a book that I've co-written with a bunch of amazing entrepreneurial women called The Women Changing the World. And you can grab a copy of that at josephinelancuba.com forward slash books. Thanks for listening.